I think no. we could just talk about Elvis. Oh, you let's think? Let's just talk about Elvis. Yeah, and let's okay. just talk about Elvis. Yeah. Lily, and, and the reason I say we talk about Elvis is because what Lily hasn't told us is that she uh, secretly has a PhD <laughs> in the subject. <laughs> like, apparently, this is something she has studied okay, I'll, and I'll, knows every detail of Elvis's this is amazing. life, not known and unknown. Save, save the good stuff for the show. All right. It's my cold open. with suspicious minds because today on the friday night movie podcast we are going to talk about elvis not just the musician singer star but the Baz lerman film and then we're going to do some wrecks and, and some other stuff uh but before we get into that just check in with my sisters lily and becky lily how you doing i'm pretty good I've dealt with a few classic summer sick kids kind of events just, this just week. Just typical ER visits. Those just, yeah. Um, two, two, two separate kids, two separate ER visits, one same day. So <laughs> it's just one for the books. But other than that, I'm very excited for uh, our vacation. With Less you than a week, week, we will Less all be week, together. Reunited. So I'm very excited. And if you want to spend a lot of time with me on this vacation, like very close quarters, all you have to do is stay with me in the room that you reserved for me in the beach house that we rented. Because as I understand it, you made sure I got the smallest room. Again. They're all small. Yours is the size of a stamp. It's like a dollhouse yeah. room. Yeah. Is there but a toilet does, in does it? Does it come with... Year? Is there There's an, an air conditioner and a toilet, and I've heard, Shai, you can touch both of them at the same time while laying on your bed. <laughs> That's an upgrade from last year, so I think we're in great Because day. there's air conditioning in this one. My only requirement for vacation is Wi-Fi and air conditioning. Everything else is negotiable. Okay, what if instead of Wi-Fi and air conditioning, we have everything else for you? Nope. I can care. run through the list of things. There's nope, a trampoline. Nope. There's nope. a swimming pool. No <laughs> <The> trampoline. <laughs> we have a trampoline. Um, we. I made sure though to ask the this person we're renting the house everything. from. <laughs> I, I, it, it's I, one of those situations, and I'm not going to get into it. But all we it, need is mom on the podcast, and she can rattle yeah. off all the things. Forever. But I did ask them to make the floor of your room as moist as possible. Because <laughs> they're just going to put floor. wet towels all over I mean, it, like a. Right? A humid I floor. I don't. I don't ask for a lot now. On the big vacation I'm on right now, with my in-laws, who I can confidently say will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Allie, 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 um, put her foot down this year, and after five years of Allie us, bringing the heat, yeah, after five years of us having the small room, even though it was supposed to alternate every year. Allie put her foot down and said, I shall not go into the night or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. And declared that we would sleep in the big room, in the big bed. But what I didn't know all these years of sleeping in the in the small room where we shared the bathroom with all of the children in the hallway so that whenever you used it and you walked out, you'd always see everybody in the house. <laughs> but this bedroom also has a bathroom that is the size of the small bedroom that we were in. With Amazing. like 
a massive... serious upgrade. So Allie's sister could sleep in there. <laughs> <laughs> or your nephew. Put a cotton there. And, and, and a porch. So the bathroom has a porch? So I just thought it was a big room, but it's actually kind of real. It's their amenities situation here. So you had like never been allowed to look in and but but I'm confident. Years. I'm confident the thing that broke her though was last was vacation with you guys. That's like so so that, everything that would have been coasting along. Extreme. What is it? Run them up and fill them out. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I already watched George a second time. All right. So now we're going to talk. Oh, wait, Becky, do you have anything to report? No. Okay. Right. Life is then, life is hard. Well, but no. Not I here. think you have to report. I think, <laughs> That's a great line. I, I think I think you have to report <laughs> Lily's. The discovery Becky made of me. So so here's Lily has been hawking me. Lily's been hawking me for weeks, months about wanting to see Elvis. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I assumed was because of Baz Luhrmann. It was Baz Luhrmann. Oh, like, I mean, oh yeah, yeah we, sure. we love Baz Luhrmann. Of course, she wants to see it. And I don't know. Lily it's not Baz. Lily said it's Baz. Baz Luhrmann. Baz, like Brian Baz. Bosworth. Like Brian Bosworth. You say Baz Luhrmann because you're from Montreal. Oh. <laughs> and you also say pasta and almonds. That's why you say Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> but I think the rest of us call it call him Baz Luhrmann. What's that, what's, that, okay. what's that word that I mispronounced that you guys made fun of with Howie? Oh, Eric Banya. <laughs> Eric Bana. Yeah, it's it's it's, Banna. It's, it's Banya's Lerman. <laughs> so wait, so okay. So she's been talking about this, and I figured, okay, Lily, I guess likes uh a biopic, maybe, but I know she which loves I that. pronounce like bi- a, which I pronounce biopic. So she's been talking about this, and, and I'm like, okay, like I guess I want to see it, but I didn't, I wasn't particularly moved or in a rush to see it, but Lily moved mountains to make sure we could all sit down together. She got a babysitter. We started it at six o'clock in the evenings. We'd have plenty of time, organized dinner, like all this stuff. So we could make sure to sit and watch this movie, which I will say our plans are at six. We did not finish the movie until midnight. midnight. It took us six hours to watch it. Took a two and six and a half hours hour to watch two and a half hour movie. <laughs> because there's just so much chaos here. I, Tenerife is a time wormhole. I am I, telling you. I this is Wormhole. already making me anxious. Oh my god! <laughs> as the movie is going on, as the movie begins, before before a scene would start, like before the next phase in Elvis really life would be would be revealed, Lily would give you a small dissertation on <laughs> what was about to happen in his life, all of the outcomes of that, both cultural cultural significance, personal stakes for him, like this in-depth- But she hasn't just been reading Wikipedia in the lead up to this? It got no. to the point, I figured, I figured she just, I actually figured she was on her phone reading Wikipedia. No, I didn't use my phone the whole I've, movie. I've and actually then, read- books about Elvis. It really got to a point where she was giving such specific <laughs> details about Elvis and Priscilla's relationship, like the timeline of from Can when I, they met to when they so, had their so, first so, kiss. So I have a question that, uh, on yes. that. Just that uh, I can go, answer keep it. going, Becky. Keep going. I would that, like to know. Then I was like, Lily, what like what is happening here? Why do you know so much? Why do you care so much? It turns out she has actually studeded Elvis in college. Lily took a course yeah, and studied was, Elvis. Well, and not the whole course is about an him, Elvis acad- secret academic. I, no, I wouldn't go that far, but wait, I you took the history of rock and roll class that I took. Th- yeah, but that's no, not. But in cultural studies, like, he's often like analyzed and brought up, and 
like just his so, persona and anyway, his so influence it turns on out art Lily, Lily kitsch. It's like, like a whole has, thing. has a secret dissertation on the history of Elvis and his cultural well, impacts that she took us through as her own personal arc while we were watching the film. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Well, I so I don't I, know how other I how much other people like the movie, but I learned so much so, about Elvis. <laughs> I had my own director's not commentary thesis going on in the background. I um. I I feel like I've absorbed a lot because I really love music history. Elvis, as a music person, like I've always been pretty fascinated with it. And then in 2004, when Danny and I did our, Danny Newman and I did our Southern Road Trip, we went to Graceland and we ate a pimento cheeseburger at the Gridiron where apparently Elvis, I think every restaurant says like something on their menu. Something on their menu is the thing he used to order. Because we wanted like, we want banana and bacon sandwiches. And they were like, we don't serve that. Nobody likes peanut butter, right? Um, it's peanut butter, bacon, and banana. banana. So I'm I'm like very fascinated with and I'm particularly fascinated with the later period. Like and and, oh really? I thought you'd be more fascinated with the early period with the influence on the blues and the rock and roll. And I'm influenced. I'm sorry. I'm interested in that because it's really important to the history of music. Right. But in terms of like the part of the story that I find like very very and I, I very very interesting to me because they don't. It's often. It's kind of often made fun of and therefore not. It's not respected as much. Like like it's the. The hist- the early part of Elvis, I think, has been taken apart, rightly so, in many different ways and been analyzed. But that later period in the 70s where he's falling apart, to me, is the most musically interesting, particularly with his band and, and, and all of that. And then just him falling apart. Like, I was really interested to see that part. So the last third of the movie was very interesting to me. Um, it's, like, were you disappointed there wasn't enough about the music in the movie? And it's more about no, his like, personal way? Well, a, I, like I thought that music. I thought that it was it was impressionistic what they did with the music. Like, for example, when they show him going to the revival tent, and when they show him watching right. the mm-hmm. the um, older black musicians playing music to show their influence, like. I liked that because I think a more straight mechanical biography like Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. would have been less interesting for Elvis. Meaning, my general impression of this movie is that the Elvis story is has been told and retold both as Elvis, but both as a million other rock stories. And so if it was just your rise and fall Lincoln, Lincoln or rise and fall or the Johnny cash one, like if it was like that, I think it would be pretty boring, but because they did this kind of impressionistic view, particularly of his childhood and the choice they had to have him running around with the Shazam lightning bolt, which was not true, but it was his favorite character. Um, Things like that. I really liked. And I think that having like an artiste, an auteur like Baz Luhrmann tell the story was the way to go, especially when you get into the kitschy parts. And I thought the decision to tell it from Tom Park, from Colonel Parker. Let's start there because Vlad, we were watching with my Can I give my theory? I want to give my, my analysis. So, the story is told from Colonel Tom Parker's perspective, who is his manager. And I didn't know any of this before because I have not uh, 
studied independently or uh, formally. Um, Elvis, <laughs> Elvis, life story. Um, Elvis Presley. Elvis um, Presley. But Colonel Tom Parker was his manager, but he was um, a very troubling character, quite controlling, and it seems very... He's he's the villain, essentially. He's the villain. It's told from his perspective. And what happens in the film is that Elvis, f- although very compelling to watch, is actually quite passive in the story. Um, although he has he has certain key moments and moments of change. But I think that is very much can I I want to finish. Oh, sorry. So so he's quite passive in the story. And my my opinion as to why that is, is because Colonel Colonel Parker is the villain. And Elvis is this man that none of us, I mean, we could never assume to know what was going on in his mind and his heart, what he was thinking and feeling. And so rather than trying to tell the story from his perspective, they tell it from, from the Colonel's perspective and thereby making Elvis by the end of the film, truly a victim of the Colonel's doing right. And by, and by disempowering him, right. By taking away any agency that we should have this story told from his perspective, I think it reinforces for me, it reinforced that the Colonel really is the villain and Elvis here in his demise he is a victim of the colonel and all the people around him who essentially leached off of him like a bunch of parasites. And it made him even more sympathetic or, or you have so much empathy for him. Um, and, and as a, and, and I think it works two folds one, because like I said, I don't know how I would feel if it was told from, if, if telling it from his perspective, it might make it feel actually less authentic and less genuine rather than have the, this more impressionistic version of him. So it works in that way to, to tell it from the Colonel's perspective. And then by adding that, that extra layer of this um, victimhood to his story, which was really heartbreaking. I mean, that ending, I just was so, I was so heartbroken. Um, so that's that's my opinion as to really? what I was told. I, I, I like that they used it for the storytelling because I think in a lot of ways, Elvis and Tom Parker or whatever his real name was are are almost like they're they're indecipherable characters from history. Like it's almost like no one has a straight story about either of these mm-hmm. guys. And so mm-hmm. when you have this like scoundrel, this liar telling the story, it makes it more interesting than doing like a regular. Mm-hmm objective mm-hmm. or pseudo-objective yep. third-party and, narrator. And, and especially most, because, yeah. I'm going to add one more thing, sorry, Lil, especially because it's the colonel, as he's telling the story, is trying, is telling you, is explaining why he is not the, the bad guy. He's not the villain. He didn't do anything wrong. But as you're watching every beat of the story, everything he does is so horrible. And 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 it just, it reinforces that he's a manipulator and a, and a liar and he can't be trusted and nothing he says is real. Because anyway, so I, I think it works really well. Well, and, and to go a step further, I think you couldn't have it, the movie in the first person or have the narration be Elvis's narration or really have mm-hmm. him tell his story exactly like that. I think for all the reasons you said, but to go a step further, it would be like trying to speak for a god. Or so, like he's so otherworldly at this point. He's such an icon and he means so much to so many people still that you no one can really know him and i think that they it's done in a good way that you're left feeling you wanted more because everybody wants more of him still today i, I don't know that i could go back and rewatch the whole film but i would certainly go back and rewatch that opening scene where he goes into the revival tent 
where he is doing the Christmas special, where he's on stage at the stadium. There are these scenes where the young man that plays him, Austin Butler, Butler. is just, it's mm-hmm. so, he's so beautiful in the role. I guess in the the first scene in the revival 10, it's some other kid actor, but I just thought it, it was so, I don't know, so moving. I, I still, I woke up today still thinking about his performance. Oh, what did, oh, what did you, you think of the casting? Yesterday. We saw this yeah, we saw last night. Dad and mom did not. I loved Tom Hanks in this movie. I loved Tom Hanks playing a villain. And mom and I mean, dad were like, they couldn't like, get past the you, When you they listen. Like, oh, the Tom makeup Hanks I thought was ever, done very well. Tom Hanks, right. if you ever listen to this, I love you in every single thing you do, no matter what. I don't have a single bad thing to say about yeah, you. I thought he You're was the great best Tom this. Hanks. Was it unexpected for me to watch Tom Hanks play a villain? Yes. Was that a hard thing for me to overcome? Because I, it's, I, I'm super aware of who Tom Hanks is. Yes. But do I think he did the absolute best performance, you know, for this role that, that he could do? Absolutely. I think he acted the shit out of it. Um, but it, it is hard for me to get over the Tom Hanks hump of seeing him as a villain. It's oh, hard. I, lo- I loved it. But, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And when I put it in the context of him having played Mr. White in oh, that yeah, thing you do, do. and like that he, right. that he must, I mean, Mr. White is a much, he's a cold more, character, but he's but not he's much more sympathetic. I mean, he's not, yeah, a bad he, guy. He, 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 he's, he's not, not a bad, bad person. He's just a businessman, whereas this guy is pretty evil. Anyways, so I like that. I think uh, there were times, so musically, I really enjoyed the music and the songs and the way they remixed them and stuff like that. There was a whole bunch of remixes and um, yeah, the remixes were very and, cool. and and modern retellings of the songs and infusion of of modern hip hop, I believe, in cases. Right, I, I I'm, I'm thinking back a little bit, but right, am I? Is that correct? In the in the different mixes, yeah, yeah, he absolutely yeah. did. In that scene uh, um, where he goes down and, to Beale Street to see BB, to like yeah. hang with BB King, like they and, and are so weaving to, it in there, and and so and so to me, scene. to me the milestone to to me to me sorry, to me that element of it was really really compelling and interesting, and that's why you get Buzz Lerman to do this movie. But then there were other times where I thought the sound was really strange, and maybe it was the theater I was in. But there were times where I was like, "Do I need like do I need a hearing aid or something?" Like there were some like strange parts in the sound. Maybe it was maybe it was better on your TV. We saw it and we didn't see it in a like huge amazing theater, and I think it would have been nice to have seen it that way. Um, and then the Christmas special part of the movie, which is this great part where. Elvis does the famous comeback special that we're all famous, you know, that we all are aware of him in the black leather mm-hmm. outfit that wrote his career. And I was pretty confident that this conflict behind the scenes about whether or not he's going to sing a Christmas song was not like an accurate telling of the story, mm-hmm. but I loved it as this impressionistic vehicle for the whole for telling the whole story of Elvis in one mm-hmm. like half hour vignette within the movie. And I thought that right. was a really great, I thought that was a really, that was, again, that's why you do it. I think if you pl- played it straightforward, it would have been a little more. Right. You're condensing so much of a man's life into two and a half hours. You have to, that, that is there to help us understand the conflict between the Colonel and the commercialism and the kitsch 
and turn just it being a whole money grab thing and Elvis wanting to have some form of artistic integrity and ambition as an artist. And it's a great way of showing that clash rather than over so much time, but in one moment in, you know, that, that, like you said, create. All right. All right, Lily, uh-huh. let's talk about Priscilla and Elvis. Cause I, I thought I knew <laughs> a lot about them. And I, and I, and, and I feel like the movie plays, well, I mean, it, it I, plays with the quick. timeline a little bit. I, I think they play with um, the timeline a little bit because I thought that they had separated way before they actually showed them divorcing in the film. I thought that like they were already mm, on the outs in like 68, 69. Oh, because you're saying that it looks like it's closer to the 70s, the late 70s. It looks like around one year before he dies. It looks like it's one year. I think they just go go really fast at the end there because when they show them about to separate or once they've separated, Priscilla's still so little. She's like four years old or five years old. You mean Lisa Marie? I mean, I know Priscilla's also too young for him, but. But yeah, sorry. I mean, Lisa Marie. And that's something they don't talk about at all on this, which I'm surprised. Right. Um, right. Wasn't so, Priscilla underage when he, well, when so he that's the thing is that her? they, she was 16. Like, yeah. And he was 18. 20, no, he was well, like he, 20, sorry. He was 20. Uh, it was 20, about 23. Yeah. Sorry. And she was about 16 and then, but they didn't officially start dating. They hung out in Germany together over the two years that he was there, but he had another girlfriend technically at the time. So and like he also was dating somebody in Germany who then became his personal secretary. Like the the and but they hung out and she says Lily Priscilla knows in, all the ship stories. Yeah. And Priscilla it, I was telling Becky today says that she stands by that they did not sleep together until they were married. Like that right. did not happen. And that they and so there was a long time because it was two years that he was in Germany, then she was 18. Then she went back to the States, which was a little bit later than that. I think it's like six years between when they met and they were married or something like that. It's not, it wasn't immediate in the movie. It makes it look like it was immediate, but then they go back to the States. She's not living in Memphis. He brings her back and forth to stay with him. Eventually she ends up staying with him and then they get married and apparently consummate the relationship. So she wasn't, she was young when they met, but not actually that young when they got married. Like if you think about her being underage and stuff. So it's not as gross in the timeline that she explains at least that like maybe Jerry Lee Lewis, who literally married like a 14 year old. Who was his cousin. Who was his cousin. Yeah. So like, I think it's on the scheme of things, not as I I, I will say, I think Great Ball, Great Balls of Fire is a cooler movie than this. Uh, You do. I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, I interesting. So. I mean, uh, for me, the movie like is is at its best during. Uh, there's a few scenes that really stand out to me: the the Ferris wheel, the Christmas special, yeah. and then the end as everything's falling apart. I because okay, so musically, I love the stuff from '68, '69, and beyond. Like starting with Suspicious Minds when he went back mm-hmm. to Memphis, and he he put together the Taking Care of Business band for those shows. Uh, I actually thought there was a really great moment where he didn't name the drummer, which was really interesting to me. But that drummer is supposed to be, I believe, Ronnie Tut, who is was this like absolutely like giant of an incredible drummer um 
and they really focused in on him during one of those scenes but the arrangements i it was like over the top but i also just love i have three or four different records like cds and records from that era the vegas era or some of it's from new york but like and i just i love it and i love there's that shot it's in the preview in the in the trailer but that shot of him when he's down on his knees and he's changing into the different outfits on stage, mm-hmm. like that was just, that was just incredible. Um, okay, she was 21 when I got married and just confirmed it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, she so, so older than our mom. So yeah, exactly. Right. I was going to say yeah, older so than she our wasn't, mom or the same age yeah, as our mom. Just, she got married. She says right. they did not like their relationship. was not, but like maybe more than a kiss was mm-hmm. not more than like a kiss until they were married. So he was with other women, but clearly when, it didn't know, bother least, her. It was the drugs that bothered her, according to. I her. mean, according to the movie, which again, I, it was like a bit much. I, I don't know. I mean, she approved the movie. She's alive and obviously remembers her whole life. <laughs> She's not that old. So, like, clearly, maybe, you know, like it's hard to argue if she was like involved or you know that she approved of it. And if that's what the character is saying, then that's how she wants it to be remembered, I guess. But she didn't write the movie. No, but she gave it her blessing. Fair enough. Like very much so her blessing. So did Lisa Marie. And she was in Naked Gun 1, 2, and 3. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that I felt like this film, other than Tom Hanks, was there any other, for me, there were almost no other recognizable actors. It was like, um, well, which I enjoyed a lot. The dad, Vernon. He's I mean, I guess in, it's a bit, he's, he was, he's in, he's in Lerman's and he's uh, in, and he's in, on the show. He was the star of the show Rake, which is an Australian show that dad recommended. Oh, really? So dad, you would have. So yeah. you're, so dad knows more of the actors in this movie. Dad was, was sort of, he seemed to like the movie when I talked to him about it, but he wasn't that into it. But there was a, actor from rake in it i feel like that alone makes dad given four stars yeah yeah, yeah. it's the star of rake isn't it which is actually so i had a question about that the why do you think the dad's character who clearly from some of the scenes they show contributed contributed to elvis's yeah demise, demise. why do you think they made his character so minimal Help. and Help. passive and not like helpless yeah. Well, I don't I don't I don't know about Curious. that. His dad was along for the ride. His dad was enjoying the fruits of all and, of it. And too. I don't think his dad was really a I think they show you that um Parker gets Elvis on board because he gets the parents on board by getting Vernon on board yeah. and offering him this like amazing role as business manager. In no way, shape, or form is he necessarily a business manager. And I think that's right, clear, right? But Although he continued, he managed it, his estate until he died. But they make until a very clear statement in, in that scene where Elvis is basically unconscious. And Parker is like, get him on, no matter what, get that man on stage. And they look to Vernon oh, to make the call. And great. he says, get the doctor. I mean, like, that's a very serious, that's a big statement. Yeah, he, I mean, character. I think, I think it's also, I got the sense the way they painted the character was that he didn't know, like, he didn't know better. He didn't want the gravy train to stop. He wasn't necessarily malicious and, and vindictive, and, but he was also and out also of his Elvis. Depth. Elvis was spending all of his money, all like like bleeding money, 
And well, so all of those guys were spending money, right? They needed Elvis to be so, up there. It wasn't like they had a 401k. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think the dad was like, well, we can't sustain all of this if you don't go up there. Not even his own lifestyle. Clearly Elvis had no idea how much money he had, how much money he spent. None of that. Yeah. Well, that's the but, Memphis, the whole Memphis mafia part of it. Another part that I really thought the great detail that, that I had read about and always found fascinating was the part about Elvis not going overseas essentially mm-hmm. because tom parker couldn't leave travel. the country yeah yeah that was amazing that was that was really well done um and i really yeah so i thought that was i thought that was fantastic um so overall buy rent or meh this film oh i think i would buy it I think I would buy it. I'm not, I would buy it to have it, to be able to like show my kids or something. And, you know, and because I love the director and I think that he's, I think Austin Butler is going to win an Oscar and deservedly. So that performance was like shockingly incredible. Really? So yeah, I think his, imp- I think his performance was as good, if not better than um, Rami Malek and for as Freddie Mercury. And Elvis is, I think, a way more iconic person to have to embody. Like Freddie Mercury is very famous and very famous to like a chunk of the world and a chunk of an era. But Elvis goes beyond that. And I think he did an incredible job. The singing, that's him singing the whole time. That kid is singing, Shy. At the end of the at the end of the movie, it's Elvis. Yeah. But they okay, show but- you Elvis. They show you Elvis at the end of the movie. The rest of the no, movie, no, but, that's Austin Butler singing. No, it's it's first of all, it's mixed, but it is a lot of him singing. But then when they got to the late the late sixties and seventies, they started using more of Elvis's voice. From what I read, when okay, he was like fine. huskier but and deeper. Whatever. First of all, it's pretty amazing. First of all, if you're telling me that he is better than Ram Charan Teja, who played Ram in RRR, I, I don't know. Do like, you think he should win the Oscar for Best Actor? Yeah, are you kidding? Guy's um, amazing. I guess. I mean, amazing. I guess. Yeah. Um, and a Jay Devon who played the dad as Best Supporting, <laughs> but, and a Best Picture for RR. Speaking. Guess, okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Beck. Speaking what of what? No, no. Go ahead. No, I was just just go. go don't worry. I'll put. Oh, it away um, I think. I would give it um, for Austin. I think for Austin Butler, it cinches it as a buy for me because I really would go back and rewatch. I don't think I'd have the stamina to rewatch the all whole two thing, hours and thirty. I would minutes. for sure go rewatch his. I would love to go back and rewatch just certain scenes in it um, for sure. Uh, I will. I would definitely go back. Uh, so I, I give it like a, a buy, like right above the edge of rent. For that same reason, what's interesting to me, and Ali and I talked about this when we saw the movie, is if they had done it as a limited series, although with that budget, I don't know if that would be possible. That's exactly what I said. I said I would and rather they, see the story as like a six-part series or something. And they did Elvis it's, the early years when we were kids. Along no, just I would have loved years. to see with this cast and this style of how they did it. I'd love to see this as a as a series. and and Because really it's, it's almost told in chapters. It's almost told in chapters. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I Lily, did I not just say the same thing an hour ago in the car? Well, because I think I'd love to get more of his struggle and more of his um, process in the music and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like, I don't need, like, two episodes dedicated to him being addicted to pills and dying, but 
a little bit more about his comeback and even his acting. I said to Becky, I, I know they can't show everything in the movie, but he, he, it was a big deal that he was in those movies. And I would have loved to like explore that, like his sort of acting ability. And I mean, the, the part that I really love that they went into is that the first movie he did, he was a much better actor than everyone expected. And they were like, oh my God, mm-hmm. here comes yeah. the next Marlon Brando or whatever. And, right. Right. and then Parker, or I don't know if it was Parker or him, was like, yeah, but you can't make money off this. So we're going to have you just have you turn out these sing, sing, sing along, sing and mm-hmm. dance movies. Sing and dance, exactly. Um, which, you know, you know, it, it would, you know, it's sort of like Dave Matthews was delightful in Win Dixie, but, you know, right. Is he, <laughs> imagine if he, no, I'm joking. Well, it's like, it's like Streisand. No, but it's like Streisand and Gaga who, you know, are powerhouse and then Whitney Houston, like powerhouse singers and like iconic singers, but also had acting chops. Now, I don't know if Whitney Houston you compared to Barbara Streisand, but it's, it's, it's a very few and far between like who could have done he probably could have done theater he probably could have done anything he seemed so incredibly talented but was held back such a massive talent was held back mm-hmm. and when he's the, the has the most like the largest record like sold recording artist of all time single solo recording artist of all time most successful still and becky was like and he never toured internationally that's he crazy. never went overseas to play a show it's yeah. and it's he's still to this day. I have to say, Fish hasn't played in Europe since like the '90s, so you know. But they're not the highest. <laughs> kind of joking. Recording okay. artists. All right, let's all let's time. get let, let's get into our wrecks. Uh, uh, so okay, Elvis. I I would say it's like a soft buy for me. I think all you know it was good, but uh, you know it's long. Um, all right, Becky. What. What are you recommending these days? Honestly, I saw this and I've been watching Mythic Quest. Still, I don't have anything new. I don't think I have anything new. But how much are you enjoying Mythic Quest? I'm enjoying it so, so much. I'm enjoying it so much. Even the episodes where I'm like, there's like two episodes just dedicated to CW's backstory. And like, he's not even... He's like not, he's not the reason I watch the show. I watch the show for Ian and Poppy, but, yeah. and David and, and Brad for sure. But um, he's not the reason I watch the show, but even those episodes are so well written and so very well powerful, very powerful, that very like, powerful. I, I, they're so compelling, even though that's not even and, the character and, I'm the most interested in. So it's, and, it's very and, well and, and Ashley Birch, who has to do those scenes with F. Mary Abraham yeah. does a great job. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Uh, very cool. All right, Lily. What about you? What do you What do you? Um, I watched this. I watched. I finished Upload season two. Which oh, I never I watched love. it. Should I get back to it? Yes, it's so yes, good. So I really like season two. Is the show over, or is there more? Oh, there must be more. There's, there's a, a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Oh. A cliffhanger. I hope there's more. So I hope there's another one. Okay. Yeah. No, Amazon ad- doesn't. It's adorable. Love that show. Um, and I finished Loot season one, which is also delightful cool. i gotta watch that i gotta finish watching that with ali maya rudolph yeah. like i mean one of the greatest I'm national it. I'm saving the last couple episodes to watch together national yeah. treasure shot you made a good I, point about that show just for a sec that like i can't really tell if like she's just supposed to be dumb 
or like it's a bit like it's hard to well, it's like I, sometimes well, they make they're, her they're, seem just like really stupid and you're well, like, like even well, if she's rich because, doesn't mean you're dumb just because well, you're also rich because so she get... was integral in her husband's success so i i think sometimes it's like they, they play they, it a little bit they play like, both like she ways. was rich for so times that she lost her sort of like sense of how to behave around people and that sometimes that i get but then there's just like some stuff where they just like make play her a little bit too dumb and you're just sort of like what but whatever it's great but but she's so so good she can do and, anything and nat faxon literally anything nat faxon i don't know how like i don't know who figured out that they would be like but to me i was like in love with the two of them right away when the show started so yeah. um okay cool wait so let's see do you, is it my turn for rex because i have a bunch yeah i think so because you know you guys got to keep up with me um did i tell you that ali and i saw bullet train have we talked since we saw bullet train in no the you said that you I, saw it you saw it okay. and you saw bullet no train. but i got no feedback on oh, either of okay those movies. okay so i'll give you feedback on those quickly okay bullet train is delivers on his promise every minute of it is fun it moves it also shows you like you know, there's that thing where you can't really tell why the Netflix action movies feel like they're a photocopy of a photocopy. Mm-hmm. Like even the good ones that are kind of fun, mm-hmm. like there's just something missing. Bullet Train could have easily been one of those, but it's not because everybody is extremely present in that movie. And the side characters are played by not particularly, you know, not as famous as Brad Pitt actors. And they are amazing and they bring it. And and if they make sequels of Bullet Train with with some configuration of those characters, I would watch it over and over and over again. And Brad Pitt is fantastic in it. And he's not even on screen the whole time. Like he's oh. he's much hmm. more of a supporting, I mean, not supporting, oh, really? but he's he's um not supporting, but in the movie, yes, it's he's the star, but it relies on all the other people that you're following being really good and it works. Awesome. Um uh nope was i really enjoyed nope a lot um i you know jordan peele i think is he's like one of these filmmakers like taiko atiti he's going to be one of the guys that we're talking about like spielberg Mm. in 20 years right like the way i freak out about et like people are going to be freaking out about jordan peele movies nope to me as i was watching it i was like because i didn't read anything about it i didn't know anything about it and i was like whoa this is a lot like jaws and it seems that other people compare it a lot to Jaws, and that's a very strange comparison to make because it's it is because well, do is, you not see the bad thing till the very end? Is that it? I mean, it, it's not just that. It's that if you love movies and you love Jaws, you kind of know movies. You're like, oh, this is like Jaws, but on its surface, it's not like Jaws. Um, and uh, the acting in it is like fantastic, um, but it's a little bit like, and I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not for me. It's like Signs was to M. Night Shyamalan in that you had Sixth Sense, like Get Out, like momentous, amazing Oscar-nominated movie. Then you have the next one, Unbreakable, compared to Us, which I think Us is even scarier and more intense. And I think about Us mm-hmm. like all the time. I love Get Out, Agreed. but Us, but Us all the way the through is beyond terrifying. Whereas the end yes. of Get Out, I find like funny. Um, right. And so, which which is good. I mean, which is part of why Get Out is great, also. Um, and then Nope, which also deals with the uh, intergalactic, um, is like signs in that it's still really, really, really good. And it's definitely really, really good for a movie that involves uh, aliens um, and other things. It's just like very creepy. But you're like, okay, whatever he does next will really 
really define it. And if I were him, I don't know if I would make another horror movie. Like if mm. I were him, if I were him, like, I don't I, look, I, first of all, I shouldn't tell that guy what to do at all. I was going to say, someone a get a genius. call into uh, Jordan Peele. He's a, he's, he's a genius, but like, not that he should go make a comedy like Key and Peele, but I would love to see him make his Indiana Jones next. If he, if he wants to, like he can make whatever he wants or his ET next, because I would like to see him, you know, I don't want people to go to his movie expecting like a horror movie because Nope isn't really a horror movie. It's not like it did, didn't scare me the way the other movies did. And I think had I known that I, you know, like the expectations were just a little bit off. So, um, uh, hmm. so anyways, but, but, but like just everything is so intentional in his movies and the actors are so great. There's a great cameo from, uh, David Keith at the Keith David, sorry. Um, then I'm watching Letter Kenny, which is so funny. And the third season, I just all I can say if you grew up in Montreal, the third season will blow your mind. And like I said, I saw King Richard, which I liked, but also was just felt very you missed long. The point. Sorry. Just some people get no, it, some people after don't. After about no, maybe 45 I, you know minutes. After about 45 minutes, I spent the rest of that movie just like all of us watching it. We're just Googling things about tennis but, and having tennis conversations and pausing them to watch Will Smith do some like amazing scene. No, that then movie, go back I was riveted. Riveted. And, and I will say, I, I suspect also, I have no doubt about his Oscar and I have no doubt that that is a good movie. It's really, it's good. But I also think Lily upgrades this a bit because John Bernthal is in it with a mustache. And I feel like John Bernthal is the one who's obsessed with him, not me. With With Lily, because John Bernthal, they they gave John Bernthal Jose's hair. I'm not obsessed with him. Becky is. I love tennis. And I think Serena and Venus are just fucking insane. Like they're, I was fascinated. I I wanted the the movie to keep going. I didn't want it to stop. I want the sequel about the two of them. That I would really love to see. And the kids were fantastic. Anyways, um, so that's what's happening here. And uh, Becky, where can people follow you? At PaperBKPrincess on Twitter. Lily, where can people follow you? TGK Gomez on Twitter. And you can follow me at Pancake and the Number Four Table. At Friday Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram. The theme music is by What Does It Eat? And next time we'll be doing the show, it will be in person.